Hi everyone, this is the Supported Sobriety Podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm in recovery from an addiction to pornography. And I'm Katie, and I've been married to Matt and supporting him in his addiction for four years. We created this podcast to bring hope, healing, and greater understanding to both men struggling with pornography addiction and women who support someone struggling with an addiction. I upload episodes for men with pornography addictions. And I upload episodes for the women who are supporting their loved one. We share real stories from members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but anyone is welcome to listen, and we believe everyone can benefit from finding peace through Jesus Christ. We hope that this podcast can bring you closer to Jesus Christ and help you on your journey of recovery and healing. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Supported Sobriety. Hi everyone, I hope you all had a really great Memorial Day weekend. I hope it was nice and relaxing and you were able to spend time with your family. I am here today on the podcast. Again, really excited to share this episode. This episode is kind of unique because I haven't shared an episode like this yet on the podcast. Um, But the person that I am interviewing, her name is Becky. And Becky's story is unique in that she and her husband are in the process of getting a divorce right now. And divorce can be a tricky subject because there's not one right answer for every person. It's kind of different depending on the circumstances, depending on the couple and the individuals. And for that reason, I've been excited to share Becky's story because I know that this is something that a lot of women are dealing with. And although it doesn't always end up in a divorce when you are struggling with an addiction in your marriage, sometimes it does. I have two friends right now who recently got a divorce, and it's not always the ideal situation, but sometimes it does happen, and I know that can be really isolating for a lot of women who do decide to get divorced because it's not always something that we talk about in the church, and it can be really, really painful depending on the situation. So I'm really grateful for Becky for stepping up and being willing to share her story because I know that it can help other women who are maybe dealing with with a similar situation. I loved hearing about Becky's experiences with her family, with her husband, with everything that she's gone through because she really relies on the Savior during all of these times. It just felt like every turn of her story just kind of got harder and harder and harder and I just, I honestly couldn't believe how much she has gone through. And so again, I'm really grateful that she shared this and I'm really grateful for her testimony and for her faith as she has gone through a lot of different challenges as a wife and supporting her husband in his addiction and also just as the woman that she is because she is truly so amazing. So here is Becky. Hi, Becky. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Katie. I'm glad I could be here. This is really exciting. I am so excited to hear more about your story and get to know you better. You seem just like such an amazing woman, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to share with us today. Well, thank you. I'm I'm excited to share my story, and I hope that it brings hope and healing to others who are going through similar things. I know it will. You are amazing for being willing to do that, so thanks so much. Why don't we get started? Uh, I would just love to hear more about you and about your family and what you're doing right now. Yeah, so I am um, I am a, a sing- new single mom. Um, I have four kids and I teach uh, school. I, um, I love to be outdoors and I love to um, play with my kids. I love to read and I 
really love audiobooks because I can clean my house while I'm listening to them. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> and we can, li- my kids and I love to listen to them when we go places um, or at night when we're really tired. Oh, fun. <laughs> so, How old are your kids? So I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 3-year-old, and a newborn. Oh, how fun. So you are really busy still with <laughs> your kids and a newborn and a little toddler. So good for you. Yeah, they're very busy. It's, uh, it, it, but it's so fun. They are that so is fun. fun. And you said that you teach school. So how are you able to do all of that with your kids? And you said you're a newly single mom. Like, it seems like you have a lot of stuff going on right now. Yeah. So right now, the way it works out is that my, my husband, he, work he watches our kids three days a week and then um I have a nanny the other two days nice. and um so we kind of uh, so I go to work and they they spend time with their dad and then they have some nights with him and then and then my sister watches them uh the other days and then I get nights with them too so how cool you are seriously a super mom I can't imagine juggling all of those things and you probably are just doing it so well I know it's probably really really difficult but it seems like you're just managing it and making it work that's awesome yeah we just take one day at a time honestly Uh (laughs) there are are days when it's just one hour we're gonna go one more hour Mm -hmm. and um and sometimes it's it's harder actually when they are not with me when when I don't have those nights with my kids Mm -hmm. that's probably the hardest time for me because I never thought that that this would happen like I I never thought I I knew with things that had gone on in my marriage I knew that you know my husband and I it it could end in divorce but I never thought that I would not be with my kids all the time Mm-hmm. And so that was really difficult and, and still it's just, just so painful. Yeah. I bet, I bet that would be really difficult. It sounds like your kids are awesome. Like I bet they, they are, are just like the sweetest kids and just support you so much and you support them. And I just, it seems like you guys are just like really tightly knit and just supporting each other through this difficult time. Yeah, they they mean everything to me and they they definitely keep me going. So oh, sweet. Well, I love that. I'm so glad that you have them and that they have you and you guys are just making it work and I admire you so much. That is really amazing. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't you tell me, thanks for sharing all those things about you and about your family and stuff. Why don't you kind of start telling me about, you mentioned some difficult things in your marriage and how you kind of thought that it could end a divorce. How did that all start? So when you guys got married, you've been married for how long? So we've been married for 14 years. And um, I had known my husband for a long time before we got married. And we'd been best friends. And um, before we got married, I I asked him about, you know, pornography and, and told him that I knew that, you know, that would not work for me in a marriage and and he had um served a mission and um he had ended up coming home sick early and and so but I'd asked him about pornography and and talked to him about you know those kinds of things and he said that he had struggled with that in the past but 
that he didn't struggle with it anymore. And so I felt like, you know, everything was good there. And Mm -hmm. so we went ahead and got married and, and back then, honestly, I mean, 14 years ago, we didn't know very much about pornography. Yeah. And, and so we were married and I knew that something was wrong, um, in our marriage. I, I just didn't feel very happy and I didn't know why. And, um, I felt like something was wrong. Like there was some type of distance between us. And when we had been married about nine months, I found pornography on his computer and I tried to talk to him about it. And he said that he didn't know how it got there. And I knew that wasn't true. And I responded really in a volatile way. Um, I was so angry and I even like, I tore up a book I was so angry and I hid all of the electronics cords in our house. I hid them because I was so afraid mm-hmm. of what was going on in my marriage that I didn't know about. And, um, and then we kind of went through this cycle for years and I didn't, you know, hide the electronics cords forever. They came back after uh, some amount of time. Yeah. And we went through this cycle for years and I, I did go to a support group meeting in that first year, but when I went, it was just me and the missionaries because Mm -hmm. the family support side had just barely started. And later on, I met those missionaries later and they said that that had been one of their first meetings for family. And that was why it was just me and the missionaries. But I remember going in and meeting and feeling like I am the only one. I am the only one in the church whose spouse has this problem. I am alone. So I never went back. And we just went through this cycle over and over again. And we ended up moving to Japan. And I thought things were really good in Japan. And then I found out that after I had been hospitalized um, and I came home and I'd had a new baby there, And I I came home from the hospital in Japan and my husband did not seem um, like himself. He was really, he seemed very absent and he really wanted that physical intimacy. And I was just really struggling Mm -hmm. with postpartum depression and with the pain because I'd had to have a C-section. Yeah. And just like physically recovering from birth, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 And I, I really wasn't well. I hadn't like, I hadn't walked around for three months because I'd been hospitalized for three months. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I wasn't very well and I didn't know why he was that way. And I was just really struggling. And then about six months later, I found out by um, going to the bank that we had no money in the bank. And I was shocked because I had been spending very little and And so I, I knew that we should have money in the bank and I tried to talk to him about it. And he lied to me and told me that he had, um, first of all, that it must be a mistake. Mm. And then he said, well, he had spent it on food for himself. And then he said, well, he had spent it on food for himself and his porn addiction. And, um, I found out that he had, instead of coming to see me sometimes at the hospital, Um, he would go and view porn after work. And we had, we had another baby who was, who was being watched by family members and ward members. And so both myself and, and my, my baby 
we're, we're not seeing him because of his porn addiction. And so I was just in a really terrible place and I was so depressed. And I just remember laying down on the floor in our little apartment and feeling like I was just going to die. I, I felt like, um, heavenly father was just going to let me die right there and that it would just all be over. And that didn't happen. (laughs) So I, I just made it, you know, every day I tried to make it through and I just remember feeling isolated. And I even, I felt really strongly that I should tell a friend of mine that was in our ward, but I was so ashamed Mm -hmm. to tell her. And, um, I just didn't want her to think badly about my husband because I really loved him. And I didn't want her to think badly about me because I, I really felt kind of guilty for a long time by association because of his addiction. And there had been times when I felt like I couldn't even go to the temple because I felt like I was unclean myself Mm -hmm. because of, of his choices. And those, those feelings weren't true, but they were feelings that I was dealing with. And so then, um, we ended up moving back to the United States And we started going to the family support meetings and I went for about a year and I was still in the same place. I just felt like this is all my husband's problem and I don't have any, um, problems and he's just going to have to fix it. And then it's going to be better. And, um, and we were seeing therapists and one of the therapists, um, he felt like I should read a book called what can I do about me? by real Croshaw. I had actually seen her on, um, I think it was KSL. They did a special between conference some, sometime before that called into the light. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I saw her book, I, I finally read it and learned about boundaries and it made such a huge difference in my life. And I started, I, I ended up setting boundaries with the help of both our therapists and a a bishop. And then I ended up setting the boundaries with my husband in the therapist's office. And they were really hard for him to accept. Mm-hmm. My husband did not want to accept my boundaries. And he really felt like I was trying to control him. And I felt like I need these boundaries in order to continue living because I just felt overwhelmed all the time by this darkness and the, the, I would think about his addiction and what he was doing and wonder if he was telling me the truth all the time. And, um, I was just in a really, really depressed place. So I'm going to ask you a question really quick about that. Um, so you kind of mentioned you guys are going to therapy and going to meetings and stuff. During this time, was your husband, did you feel like he was actively working through his addiction or was it kind of just like going through the motions? What was that like for your husband at that time? Uh, At this point, I would say that he was probably going through the motions more. He was happy to go to meetings Mm -hmm. um, and, and he was, he was happy to go to therapy with me, but I didn't really see him working the steps. And I, I don't, I think he wanted, I know he wanted to make me happy. I, 
And I, I do know that there were times when he did not want to do his addiction anymore. He had actually gone to a bishop while I was in the hospital in Japan and he had asked um, for help. And I didn't know about what was going on. So I know that he had wanted to stop. Yeah. He, he did want that. I know he had a desire to, to change at different points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to ask about that. So you can keep going with where you were. Yeah. So, so we were, so I set these boundaries and then my husband, uh, he got ill and started having seizures actually. And then I went back to work as a teacher. I had taught before we moved to Japan and then I got a job teaching, um, after he got ill. Cause I was worried that, um, something was going to happen to him. And so I got a part-time job though, because, you know, I was so worried that we weren't going to have income, but yeah. I was so, uh, un- willing to go back full-time it doesn't really make any sense but no, I, so I got that. this part-time job teaching and and then uh, my husband lost his job and um, because of his his health problems and so then I um, ended up going back full-time and um, we were remodeling a house. And during the summer, my husband had decided that he was going to, he wanted to be a writer. And um, in order to support him in that, in the summers, I would work on our house and take care of our kids. And then he would go, he told me he was going to go write. Mm-hmm. And, and then at the end of the summer, he disclosed to me that he hadn't been writing. He had, had actually been viewing porn. And I knew that that was totally crossing my boundary of like that we could work things out and stay together if he was, you know, if he was working his recovery. And I knew that what he had done was not working his recovery at all. And so we separated, actually. And it was really, really hard for me Um, because now there I was a single mom working full time. And, and my husband was disabled. And so I, I was just really sad, but I remember like the, the spirit just carried me through that because I, I remember looking back at the end when we were able to reconcile because my husband had made some changes and and said, said that that was what he really wanted was to work his recovery. And, um, he had been working on things. And so I decided that, um, you know, that things looked like we were in a better spot. And so we reconciled, but I remember looking back and thinking, how did I make it through that working full time and then coming home and taking care of our two kids And just doing that myself and also like working on our house at the same time. And I had family support, but I really believe that a lot of it was the heavenly father was there for me and the savior was there for me. And they helped me through the loneliness that I was feeling. And they also helped me to forgive my husband. And, and, um, and so then 
uh, another year, like we, we reconciled and he came home and he took care of our kids. And then the next summer we did the same thing where he went to write and I took care of the house and the kids. And then he, uh, at the end of the summer disclosed to me again, that he had been viewing porn and relapsing. And so I, I again said that we had to separate. And, um, I remember a therapist had even told me, uh, you know, months before, if that ever happened to me again, that that meant that I should end our marriage. Oh, yeah. And, um, and I didn't feel like I was supposed to end our marriage. I felt like I was supposed to separate from him and that he needed to decide what he really wanted in life. And so we, um, I would call him every day to see how he was doing and make sure that he knew that I still loved him and that, um, he was important to me and that I didn't want to be separated from him. And so, and then I would take the kids to see him and I gave him some financial support and took care of his medical costs and things. And, um, and then, um, and he helped with, um, daycare for the kids because, um, he had some disability that he was receiving. And so that covered the daycare. And so we, he worked on his recovery for like three more months. And then it really seemed like he had changed and, um, we were able to reconcile. And he told me later that that separation had really helped him decide that what he really wanted was a family. And, um, I, I mean, I, I, uh, that wasn't the reason we had separated. Like I, the reason we separated was because of my boundary. And I knew I just couldn't continue living the way we had been living. But Mm -hmm. I, I really appreciated him saying that to me, um, because I, I felt like it, it, I felt like the, the hard thing that we had been through had made us stronger together as a couple. And it, it had helped my husband have maybe some perspective. And so I, I felt like that experience had had value. And so then, you know, we kept going to group and we, we were getting some therapy and we had another baby and then, um, we were seeing, um, we went through a couple different therapists through all this. And then there was one summer where my husband, like he had some relapses, but it was for a shorter amount of time. And then, um, he was still talking to the therapist about them and he was talking to his support person about them, but he wasn't talking to me. And so I felt like his heart had kind of changed a little bit. And so I didn't really feel like I needed to enforce that boundary. And through Mm -hmm. all of this, he was still relapsing like maybe a couple times a week, but he would tell me about it. And I really appreciated that honesty. And so then he had this one month period of time where he had more relapses and he didn't tell me, but then he did disclose that a lot sooner. And I, I just felt like, um, he had, he had shown growth. And so we didn't end up separating And then, uh, another year maybe passed and then, um, COVID hit Mm -hmm. and be before COVID hit there during the fall, my husband had bought a VR device and I didn't feel very good about it. 
And I told him that I, I said, I don't think that's the best thing to have. And, but he said that, you know, he wasn't going to use it for porn and he seemed like he was doing better. He just seemed to, you know, to have that light about him. And he was telling me when he relapsed, I felt like he was being honest. And then one day I came home after he bought the VR device and he had, he had relapsed. I asked him if he would throw it away. Cause I, I found him after the relapse mm-hmm. and, um, it was so sad for me to see that. And then, so he told me he threw it away and then COVID hit. <laughs> um, he, and I, I ended up on bed rest cause we were going to have another baby and, um, I was having a lot of early complications and I had had all our other kids. I had had complications and bed rest and things, but this time it was definitely the scariest. Oh. And um, I ended up having to have a cerclage during my pregnancy, and I'd never had to do that before. And um, I I felt very spiritually led, though. Like there were so many little miracles um, concerning getting this little person here, and um, my husband really supported me in that, and he you know supported me, and I was still teaching online. And so he really um, was taking care of our other kids with their schoolwork Mm -hmm. and I was teaching online and then he got sick and um, we, he got tested a couple times and it never came back as COVID, but he was really sick. And because I was so high risk, he had to quarantine upstairs in our bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was a really bad thing for him having all that extra time to himself and probably feeling really lonely. And so he quarantined and then for about 10 days and then about a week and a half afterwards, I ended up having our little baby at 28 weeks and, and she, she survived and she had, she ended up having sepsis. And so we just had all these little bumps through that COVID summer, but we, I felt like we just leaned on each other and we were both just really exhausted. And there was a lot of a feeling of depression between us just because of all these hard things that we were going through. And, um, I felt like my husband was dealing with suicidal ideation. And I knew that I was because of my, I was having postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And, um, when our daughter came home, it just seemed to get even harder. And so I had, um, suggested to him different places to get, to get a therapist because his, his previous therapist who had really helped him with some of his struggles had left the state. And, and I would check in with him and ask if, if he had found a therapist and he seemed really upset that I was talking to him about who he was going to find to talk to. Mm -hmm. And, and I felt like I couldn't understand why. And, I, I had no idea why he was angry with me that I was trying to help him find somebody. And then, and he, he baptized one of our kids. And then in October, he told me that he wasn't wearing his garments anymore. And I was really shocked. I, I couldn't believe it. And, um, I tried to ask why, and I asked him if about, if it was about his porn addiction. And he said it, you know, it didn't have anything to do with that. And then the next day I told him that if 
he was going to really struggle with his porn addiction, then I didn't think that our marriage was going to make it if I didn't have that temple marriage to look forward to through this. And he was really emotional and cried and I didn't understand why. And I, I was angry when I said those things, but I, I didn't understand why he was so emotional about that. He had, he had started working. We had gotten him a CNA during that summer. He had been working for the census. And so he was, he was starting to be able to go back to work and his seizures were better. We were on the right medications. And around the same time, he wanted to open his own bank account. And I couldn't understand why. And I knew that um, we, we had never had a whole lot of money and I had been become really a big saver mm-hmm. and that was hard for him. And we had had a lot of sessions in therapy about our finances and, um, and we had kind of come up with some boundaries that I felt like worked really well. But when he wanted to open his own bank account, I was like, Oh, something must be wrong. You know, is there why do you want to open your own bank account? I don't understand. And so I tried to talk to him about that. And eventually he did open his own bank account. And then soon after he did that, I felt like he was lying. And I felt the spirit tell me that he was lying. And I had never had that happen before. In all of the 14 years that we were married, I never had the spirit say, he's lying to you right now. But I just felt it so strongly. And I gave him chances to, you know, tell me the truth mm-hmm. um, and, you know, explain things. And he didn't. And so I decided to look at his phone record and um, I looked at it and confirmed the lie. And so then I, I decided to, you know, talk to him about it and I asked him to tell me what was going on. And he got really mad at me and he said that I had violated his privacy and, and he said he was leaving. And, um, I was, I, I told him that I didn't think that was a good idea and that I wanted him to stay and for us to work things out. He, he was really angry with me. And so he left and um, we were seeing a therapist at this point. Cause when he took off his, when he had chosen to take off his garments, I felt like we really needed something was wrong in our marriage. I knew. And so we were seeing a therapist. And then after the weekend, he called me and he said that maybe, you know, when was he coming back? And I said, well, I think we need to talk to the therapist before you come back. Cause I knew how frightening it could be from my own experience as a child. When a parent says they're going to leave, I had seen that as a kid. And I, knew how frightening that could be for my own children. And so I felt like we needed to see the therapist before we talked about him coming back. And so we talked with the therapist. They, they agreed with me that my husband needed to, we needed to figure things out before we just, he just came back because I was really afraid that he would come back and then he would leave again. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to put my kids through that twice. And so, especially because he had opened his own bank account and it it just, it looked really funny, the things that he was doing. Mm -hmm. We, we continued to get therapy and, um, he didn't really come around our home for that first month. 
And um, I felt pretty abandoned um, by him. And I just, he, he, he was implying to me that I had treated him wrong. And I, I just couldn't see how. And um, finally, we were meeting with our marriage therapist, and I felt like my husband wanted to share that. And so I, I asked for him to share what, you know, he, he was feeling. And so he said that he felt like I was abusive. And I was really shocked. I was really shocked that he would say that. And um, I just couldn't see how he would think that. Oh, I, I just couldn't believe it. And then, and he didn't really share how thought I was abusive. And so I tried to figure it out and I wrote him a letter and, and said that, you know, I didn't understand. And I read it to him because I, I was, I sent it in a text and then I felt like I didn't want him to read my letter and put a different tone to it than what right. I had ended. And I wanted it to be read with a sense of love. Mm -hmm. And, and so I called him and read him the letter. And he actually was able to read me a letter that he had written at that point. And, um, and he felt like I had like controlling and forced him to recover and controlled all the money and, um, it was, it was hard and I felt really bad. Um, and he talked a lot about how I had made him feel guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And I thought a lot about that. And as I worked through his letter, um, I felt like a lot of the things that he talked about were because he had felt that guilt and shame himself yeah. from his own actions and that I hadn't said things to make him feel guilty. And I, I really felt like I had loved him. And, um, and I knew that I, I had make, made mistakes and I had told him in my own letter that I was sorry. Um, and that, you know, that there had been times when, you know, I, I had made mistakes. I knew, and that, that I was sorry for those mistakes. And ultimately I, I tried to reconcile with him for a couple months and he ultimately decided that he did not want to reconcile. And that was really hard for me. Um, our, our oldest and our youngest have some struggles that are pretty difficult. And I was afraid for my kids and what that would mean for them. And I was afraid for me because I, when he first left, I was angry. I, I felt like, fine, I'll just do it all my, on my own. And I was angry. And then I, I just realized how much I missed him and how the, the last 14 years of marriage, even though they had been so difficult, I really loved him. And I loved um, the person that I thought he was. I loved that person. And um, I, I really struggled with that. Um, and then even, even when we were like the, you know, when we went to mediation, I, um, had really hoped that he would just say, I'm making the biggest mistake and I don't want this. And, um, but that, that didn't happen. And so now, you know, we've, we've been through mediation and our, our divorce is almost final. Um, and there, there are definitely 
um, times that are harder and times that are easier. It's, it's so much easier when I have my kids with me. I, and when they, I don't have them with me, it's, it's really hard. And I worry about them a lot. And I, um, I want to, to be with them. And I, I just never expected that, you know, things would work out this way with my kids. And, and I really, I had, I had said for a long time that I knew that my husband could choose to, you know, go after, he could choose his addiction, but I never expected for him to say those things about me. And I was just floored by those things. Mm -hmm. And he even, he even said that he didn't think he'd ever had an addiction. (laughs) And, and so I really struggled with, with those feelings. And I, I had to get a lot of help. (laughs) Um, I, I started seeing um, a therapist about every week and um, to, to work through those things that he had said, you know, and then I was also doing like the support group during the week as well, whenever I could. And so I, I really had to get uh, my own help and I needed to make sure that I was doing my dailies again, just to, Mm -hmm. to make it through each day. And, um, and those, those things, um, helped me to keep going when I just felt so depressed because when he left, I was just really struggling with that postpartum depression, but in some ways I just had to pick everything up and take care of it. And so I couldn't, you know, rely on him. And because of the pandemic and our baby being high risk, I, I um, couldn't rely on my family quite as much as maybe I would have um, at other times. And so that kind of in some ways helped me to move forward out of that spot that I had been in with all of my depression. And um, it helped me to, to just have a purpose and know that like I had to take care of my kids and that, you know, that they, they, all they had right then was me. And so those, those things, like they really helped me through that, um, that time and have continued to help me and, and have brought me joy. Like my kids bring me so much joy after, um, going through that. And there, there are times when I, I feel like, oh, maybe I look back at my life and think about all my mistakes and wonder, you know, what if I had done this or what if I had done that? But I try to um, notice when I start to think that way instead and notice those kind of thoughts and, and remember that I can't change what's happened in the past. And all I can do is move forward and enjoy my time with my children because they are the most important thing in the world to me. Yeah. So it, it uh, didn't work out <laughs> like I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a hard place to be in right now, but um, I know that if I continue to rely on the savior, that he is there for me and he will 
carry me through the things that I cannot get myself through and that he will succor me. And um, it's been so hard because my husband was my best friend for so long. And um, I feel like I don't have him anymore and I'm missing my best friend. And that has been really hard. I still miss him a lot, but I'm also kind of angry. <laughs> so it's a really hard feeling to feel because I, I miss him. And yet I'm, I'm unhappy with the choices that he's made. And I, it's been hard. And like I said, sometimes we just go a day at a time and sometimes we go an hour at a time, but I, I make it through the day with, with that support from my, my um, heavenly father and the savior and my family and my friends. And um, I just am so grateful for the role of the savior in my life and how he has helped me to change. And I know that I'm not done changing. There are still things that I need to work on and um, that I also have this opportunity to help my kids have a relationship with the savior and develop their own testimonies of of him and that they're they're children of God and that they are loved. Becky, I am so grateful that you shared all of those things with me. Thank you so much for sharing your story and being so vulnerable and willing to share about your challenges that you've gone through. And I am truly so touched by your story. It just seems like every turn of your story, it just seems like it got harder and harder and harder and things just kind of were building on each other and you just took it in stride. And I know that that is like you were saying through Heavenly Father and through your Savior that you were able to rely on them. But I know that you are just such a strong and an amazing woman. And I am so, so impressed. And I just admire you so much. You are an amazing, amazing woman. Well, thank you. I just can't believe everything that you've been through. Um, something that really stood out to me as you were sharing your story is how you were just so determined to make things work in your marriage and you were so committed to your marriage. And not to say that that would have worked for everybody because I know every woman needs to make her own decisions based on her marriage, based on her husband and the circumstances. But it seemed like you weren't really feeling, I know a lot of people might've been saying like, oh, you need to leave him or you should stay with him. Or like, there can be a lot of outside pressures in situations like that. But it seems like you were just so confident and strong in your opinion and that you knew what was best for you guys you knew like I am going to give him another chance and then your therapist was saying like if this happens again then you need to get a divorce but you felt like in your heart that you should keep going with him you know and I just really admire that about you that you were just doing what you felt like was right and you were receiving that revelation for yourself and just continued with that that's really amazing to me oh thanks I, at those times I had felt like I, I never got an answer to leave. And, and I always felt like he had his agency to choose mm -hmm. what he really wanted. And, and at the end, I think that really 
gave me a lot of peace, it, especially at the end. My my family was kind of saying what you what you were saying about, you know, that that I shouldn't be treated this way and I should just be done. But at the end, it it really um, helped me to know that I, I did everything that I could. Um, and that gave me a lot of peace just for myself. Not that, um, that was, that's, you know, necessarily the right thing or that that's what other people should do, but it, it did bring me peace. Mm -hmm. I also really loved, I know your husband said something differently that you were controlling and abusive. Um, but from what it kind of sounded like, sounded like you really honored your husband. I love that you talked about how you loved him, how you guys were best friends. And it seems like you gave him a lot of agency to choose what he was doing. And it seems like you were trying your best not to be controlling of the situation. And I think that is something that is so hard to do when you are in a relationship with someone who has an addiction. And that is just something that women constantly are trying to deal with of how to, you know, like keep yourself safe, but also not to be controlling of your husband. And it seems like it probably took you some time and a lot of effort and work to be able to do this, but it seems like you got to the place where you had your boundaries and you were safe with yourself, but you also let your husband do what he needed to do. Right. And you weren't trying to control him or manipulate him. And I'm sure that gave you a lot of peace for yourself as well. I, I, I mean, it took me a long time and I felt like I was doing really good. Um, and then we had set some boundaries about like our finances and, and I felt like things were really working. He obviously did not. And <laughs> I mean, he, he definitely feels differently and, and I just have to look at it and, and know that I did my very best and that I'm, you know, I'm not perfect. And, and there are definitely things that I'm like, oh, I wish I had done that better, but I know that I, I did my best. And I, and one of the things that really helped me was that when my husband left, I really felt strongly that I needed to be kind to him and try not to be angry. And, um, and so that has, has helped me. And I, I have not been perfect at that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there have definitely been moments of anger and, and, um, but I am so grateful for that. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, just to kind of wrap up this interview, I just wanted to ask you another question. And like I said, it just seems like you have gone through so much and it seems like the things that you've gone through, they're still kind of fresh, right? Like this is kind of, like you said, a kind of a new thing where you guys are in the process of getting divorced. It's getting close to being finalized. Um, your baby is newborn, you know, like you still have a lot of fresh feelings. It's still very sensitive. And I'm just really inspired that you would be willing to share all those things with me. And I just wanted to ask you, what gave you the courage to share these things with me and decide to have this be a public story kind of, you know? So one of the things that made me feel like I could um, talk to you about it was just knowing that there have to be other women who are in 
similar situations. And I don't know who they are because I don't know of anybody. I mean, people have told me, oh, yeah, this is really normal for like when somebody wants to get a divorce, then they do these things. Well, if I know I'm not the only one. And so maybe telling my story could bring somebody else hope that they're not alone and that God loves them and that they can continue to just take one day at a time and that there will be happiness ahead. That's what my, my parents tell me all the time, you know, like it's not always going to be this way. Mm -hmm. It's going to get better. And I believe that. I believe that too. And I know it will get better for you, just especially with your faith and your trust in the Lord. That is so, so inspiring to me. And I'm so grateful that you shared your testimony and how it seems like your testimony and your trust in the Lord has grown through this whole journey. And I'm grateful that you were willing to share that. And I know for sure that you will be able to help other women who are going through similar situations because I know there are women where, like you said, it doesn't really work out where you have a spouse who has an addiction and it ends in divorce. And that's something that is unfortunate in those situations. Sometimes it's for the best. It's just different for everybody. Um, but I know it's hard to talk about. And I know it's hard to know, like you said, you would end up not being able to spend time with your kids. And I know that's really hard for you and hard for other women. So again, I'm just grateful that you were willing to share that. And um, if you wouldn't mind, I would, if anyone reaches out and is feeling like they have a similar situation, would you mind if I connected them with you to kind of have a support person in that? Yeah, that, that's, that would be okay with me. Okay, perfect. I, I just know that you will be able to touch so many women through your story and Again, thank you so much for being willing to come on here. And I just loved everything that you said. And I felt so inspired by it. So thank you so much, Becky. Well, thank you, Katie. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to rate and review this podcast as well as share it with everyone you know. For information about the church's 12-step and support meetings, please visit arp.churchofjesuschrist.org. We encourage everyone to find a sponsor or support person. If you have any questions, feedback, are looking for a sponsor, or would like to be a sponsor, please contact us at sobrietypodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for more guests. So if you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed, please contact us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.